0: 11 of Revelation chapter 11 and verse number 14. I want to give you a warning again uh, today um, and that is we're, we're going to be talking about this today and in the next few weeks it's going to take that what seems like a um, seems like a downhill turn but it's not. The judgments are going to be coming. We're going to be speaking about antichrist and other things are going to be rolling in. So I, I encourage you really really to grab as much as you can today in worship and in praise and understanding what the kingdom of Christ is, so that when you get that, it'll sustain you through the rest of the chapters that we're going to get into, all right? Look at with me, uh, if you got it, say amen. amen. Look with me at verse 14, it says, The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. It says, And he shall reign forever and ever. It says, and the four and twenty elders which were before God on their seats, or as the Bible tells us earlier in chapter 4 and 5, on their thrones, it says they fell upon their faces and worshipped God, which is what we're here to do today. It says, saying, Lord, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and which was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Look at this last verse. It says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, the ark of his covenant. It says, And there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail." Amen. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to you this morning, Lord. This is what we do. We, we come here, Lord, because we need you. As a pastor, friend of mine, always prayed and always said, uh, "Lord, we're needy people, and our greatest need is of you." And no matter, Lord, if there are people that know you or that don't know you in this service today, our need is still the same: is that we all collectively need you. We need you to help us. We need you to guide us and to speak to us. And Lord. There are many that come with a lot of baggage, a lot of things this morning, stuff, burdens that, are, that have got them overwhelmed, thoughts in their minds, other stuff, Lord, even if it's anxiety or just discouragement. Lord, there's so much baggage that we carry around. And God, I pray that they would do as the Scripture says, and they would cast all of that upon you, upon the Lord Jesus Christ, because you care so much for us. God, I ask you that you just please, Lord. Allow those things to kind of fall off to our sides this morning as we hear about the great kingdom that has become kingdom of our lord and of his christ lord which is your son jesus lord we ask you that you just speak to us give us the wisdom and understanding that we need uh lord the understanding that we need lord in order to understand this scripture today for it's in the name of jesus christ we all pray together amen amen you can be seated if you uh this morning i'm going to try to kind of go i'm not i'm not going to go quick uh, but i'm going to try to get through some of that stuff Uh, especially in the beginning. The first thing that we want to talk about, number one, is that the Bible says the third woe is now upon us. Do you remember that in the book of Revelation it says that this third woe is coming? It says the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe is coming quickly. If you've been here through this Revelation series, you would know that the Bible teaches us about this woe that was happening and this thing that was going on. In Revelation, let me read it to you, chapter 8, verse 13, it says this, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpets of these angels, or the three angels which are yet to sound." Do you remember that angel that was in heaven was going through and almost in that sense of an eagle as it's crying out, you know, and crying out for, uh, just as it would cry out to the ones, the, the little biddies that are on the ground and crying out to look up because something's coming. You know, the Bible tells us that we should look up, but what does it say to the Christian? We should look up because our redemption draws nigh, amen? But the Bible talks about that this angel that was given this woe, it says, look, there were... Four trumpets that were blasted, but he said, Whoa, 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 telling them that there's three more of those trumpets that are going to sound. And in these last three of the ones that are going to sound, they're going to be very dreadful. They're going to be great. As Isaiah said, they're going to be a great and terrible day of the Lord, a day of darkness, a day of gloominess. And not talking about the rapture of the church, but it talks about that it's going to be a great day of God's judgment. The Bible says that we've already come now to this third woe. Uh, We've already gone all the way through, but look at the next thing, is that this seventh trumpet now is about to blast forth. And when the seventh trumpet blasts forth, I want you to look at the Scripture. The Bible says, And the seventh angel sounded. Do you remember we talked about There were three sets of seven. There's 21 things that really wrap up God's judgment in the book of Revelation. The first thing is the seven seals that are on that book, that biblion, that writing, you remember? And it says those seals were opened up and they saw this and saw a white horse, and saw a red horse, and saw a black horse, and saw a pale horse. Fifth seal was opened up and I heard the martyrs of those that were beheaded for the cause of Christ. Their blood and their lives were crying out from underneath the altar in heaven. Uh, It says the sixth seal was opened up and there was great earthquakes. There was great things that were cosmic happening. The stars were falling out. The moon was turning to blood. All of this stuff, it was a huge chaotic thing in the heavens. And so then whenever that seventh seal was opened up, do you remember what happened when the seventh seal was opened? It was like it went, and it spilt out all of these seven trumpets. Just when you thought it was going to be ended, these seven trumpets came out. And when the first trumpet sounded, a a fourth of the earth, you know, the grass and the trees were burnt up. And when the second trumpet sounded, then a third of the seas turned to blood. And then, uh, uh, excuse me, a fourth of the seas turned to blood. And then when the third trumpet opened, then the next one, which was the fresh waters were uh, wormwood and turned into bitterness. All this stuff was going on. And now we've gotten to the place where the sixth trumpet has sounded and now the seventh one in the Scripture this morning has sounded, and I want you to know that it doesn't say it here in this scripture, but we're going to be going through that in the next couple of weeks, is that when the seventh trumpet sounded, when you thought, well, maybe it will stop, Blah. again, all of these next things happened, and they were seven bowls. The scriptures call them vials. They were bowls of wrath that are going to be poured out upon the earth. Some people go, well, why would God put it in the seals? Why would God put it in the trumpets? And why would God put it in those bowls? Well, first of all, because the seals, everything that we understand and that we know according to past, present, and future is what? Found in the Word of God. It's in the Biblion. It's in the book. And the book has to be open to us in order for us to understand all of these things. And so he teaches us these seven seals were open so we would have a great understanding of what's going to happen. Amen. Everything stems from the Word. What does the Bible say about Jesus? He's the same. Yesterday, say it with me, today Forevermore, shall be forevermore, right? You know also that the Bible says that Jesus, his name is the word of God. And the word of God is what? The same yesterday, today, and shall be forevermore. The next thing is those trumpets blasted out. Why? What's the significance of the trumpets? God dealt with speaking to those children of Israel and also warning them by blowing of the trumpets. He taught them how to do this, not coming down and doing it physically, Brother Carl, but when they were at Mount Sinai, when God was giving the law, the Ten Commandments, you know, Charlton Heston... And Moses, some of y'all don't remember that, all right, uh, and and I shouldn't, but I had to watch those things on Sunday afternoon while Dad was supposed to be watching them, but his eyes were closed. And if I changed the channel, he was watching it, but he's really good. He really can see through the lids, right? But watch Charlton Heston. He's getting the Ten Commandments. Moses, we know that. I was trying to throw a joke in there, and y'all didn't like it, but I got more, and they'll come throughout the rest of the service, all right? Um, so if you laugh at some of them, we get out sooner. If you don't, if you're a visitor, then we, we stay all day. Um, but it's a pride thing. Uh, but in him receiving the law on the mountain, what was going on? The Bible says that all those that are at the base of the mountain, there was a line drawn across the bottom of that mountain, Brother Edward. you remember? And it says that God said, No animal, no children, no old or aged, no, no one could cross that line because God is holy, we are sinful, and we didn't have access to God. And some of you say, well, how could Moses have gone up there then? Because Moses had to go in atoning for the sins of the people and had to go get the word of God, and God allowed him to do that. And Brother Bill shared with us one night about seeing the glory of God, and he was able to go up there, be hid in the cleft of the rock, and God walked by, and just the backside of God actually made Moses' face glow so much that when he came down off the mountain, he had to cover his face because they were going, man, you, you got God all over you, right? Not like an hour. Today, where it's just the shimmering, glistening sweat on my head, but because he was in the presence of God. And then you look at it, what was going on? The Bible says in that day there were thundering and lightnings, but there were sounds on top of that mountain as the sounds of trumpets. And what God was doing with the trumpets is he was dealing with judgment. Amen. And then now we have bowls or vials of wrath that are going to be poured out. Why that? Because those priests every day, daily in the tabernacle, daily in the temple dealt with the vials of blood of the animals of bullocks and of goats and of turtle doves and all those other things to do what? To atone for our sins. The wrath of God was found in the life of the blood of someone else taking your place. And so God does what? He's going to take the things where we say our forgiveness, our excuse me, His forgiveness, His grace our asking, our pleading for mercy. What's He going to do? That same Jesus that was crucified and His blood that's precious to you and I because it forgives us and washes all of our sins away is also going to be the same blood that will judge all of the world amen so that's why God gives us those three sets of sevens there so that when we get to this we would know that trumpet that blows God says it's going to come I want to talk to you about three things this morning number one is that we will have and we do have and we will always have great victory Amen. can y'all hear me we have great victory When you talk about having great victory, I want you to look at the scriptures that says the seventh angel sounded. There were great voices in heaven saying what? The kingdom of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. If you actually look at it, the translation is not kingdoms as many kingdoms. But in this tribulation time, there is going to be a one kingdom that will be ruling. The kingdom of Antichrist, the kingdom of Satan will be ruling on the earth. It talks about how the kings will come together and that they will form one union. They will form one monetary system. They will form one religious system. And that is exactly the way our world is going now. Everyone thinks that unity is the key to everything about Christianity. But Jesus came and he preached to us all. He said that houses would be divided because of me. He said fathers would be divided against sons and mothers would be divided against mother-in-laws, right? He said all the... Why? Because of their belief in Christ and their non-belief in Christ... It will divide us, and we won't have that fellowship. We won't have that union. But everybody today in our world thinks unity is the absolute thing. Ecumenicism, which is also the ECC or the ECU that is bringing all these churches together. Back in 1996, when I preached a little bit about the book of Revelation, they had 393 different churches in Rome, in Europe, that was actually at the Vatican that have brought themselves together to form this localized ecumenicalism union of all people and all churches together, every denomination, everything together. And I know, don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not up here saying that the Baptists have it all right. I don't say that at all. i got a lot of issues with the Southern Baptist Committee and convention right now. Amen. But I'm not saying that the Church of God's got it all right or they got it all wrong either. But a lot of people today, we need to understand, we're not Baptists, we're not Church of God, we're not Pentecostals, we're not all of those things. Well, as a matter of fact, I am Pentecostal. You said, what do you mean, brother If You're a Pentecostal in a Baptist church. Yes, I, I got the Holy Ghost the same way they got it on Pentecost, amen? He filled me up from top to bottom, and he pours me out every day, or he pours out of me every day and pours back on me every day. No one has a monopoly on that. And listen, I'm not a Baptist because we baptize people. We baptize people because why? The Word of God says to do it. We're biblicists, and so everyone thinks let's just put everything in a bowl. Let's just take the uh, Islamic view, and let's take the Christianity view, and let's take the Jewish view, and let's put it in a blender, mix it all up and feed it to everybody, and it will never happen will never happen you say why will it not happen brother steve john 14 and verse number six i am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but by me talking about jesus he's the way the truth and the life and if you have other denominations or other people or other religions that declare that jesus is not the son of god he is and and he's just a prophet he's not the son of god he did not die on the cross but he actually performed a magical show and stuff but he didn't die truly then that is not of God no matter what you want to put on him so looking at the scripture here talking about the great victory that we have these heavenly voices start declaring that it's the kingdoms of this world it's actually translated kingdom it's not kingdoms it's kingdom of this world one kingdom has become what the kingdom of Christ Christ's kingdom listen to me now Christ's kingdom will not be shared with another When he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and this right here, the kingdoms of this world, have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, he's not sharing his kingdom with another. He's not sharing his kingdom with the one that just passed away just this last week or the week before last, Sung Young Moon. God will not share his kingdom with that, amen? It'll be one kingdom and the kingdom will be the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God that took away and washed away all our sins, amen? Aren't you excited this morning? Don't you feel like you could stand up and pick the pulpit up and run around a little bit? If you don't, then I do, all right? The Bible says in Exodus chapter number 15, or look at verse 18, it says, The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Amen? Amen. I love that. A lot of people want to grammar check that stuff, especially my my laptop, right? want to check that and put forever together as a word. No, he will reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Look at the next scripture, Daniel chapter number 2, verse 44. And in the days of the kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Amen? The Bible says that it will always be. What, what happened to my clicker? Did I, I, I must have held my finger on that bad boy and just kept going. Amen? I got excited. I can't help him. I'm sorry. Look at Daniel 7 verse 14. I was just going on and on and on. like shaking my leg, right? Daniel 7:14 it says, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people. I love this part. I love this part. All people. All nations. All languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Amen. And I love the part where it says, of all people, of all nations, of all tongues, everybody of all languages. Amen. Look at what Luke says. I know some of you are going, that's the Old Testament. Well, I got one in the New Testament, too. Luke says in verse one or chapter 1, verse 33, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and all of his kingdom, says, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Amen. Amen. Listen, I asked a friend of mine this week, a coach, and I asked him yesterday, actually, and uh, I sent a text, and I would read you the text, but I'm real... Uh, I'm real sporadic sometimes with my wording. And uh, I I sent him a loaded tater question. You know what that means. It's got all kinds of stuff in it and you don't really know. And this is what I asked. I said, how would you live your life or how would you play the game and prepare for a game if you knew that you were going to go ahead and win it? In other words, if you were going to play a basketball game and you knew that the, it was already in hand and you were going to win this game no matter what, you know, maybe because the team forfeits because they cheat, whatever it is, but you're going to win this game, how would you play that game and how would you prepare it? Because I'm thinking in my mind, I have no clue because I'm not a coach. I, I, I coached and and I'd get too much trouble when I coached Jacob when he was younger and Andrew when they were younger. I was actually the only one in upward basketball to get a technical. So, uh, I. I <laughs> You know, they didn't even have them until I came in to coach. And the next year, they started teeing people up. And I told them that was stupid. Anyway, I'm sorry. Listen, this is what he said. He said, my initial thought is if I knew we would win, I wouldn't stress. I wouldn't spend hours on the game plan and I could relax. But then my mind goes to this. I would concentrate on making sure our players had the best possible experience is I would want them to have fun and enjoy themselves. I would want everyone to play in the game. I'd focus on the big picture, which would be the experience of getting to play in the game. Then I think about the confidence that I'd have and my players would have if they knew that they could not fail. I would believe in every play call. My players would have confidence in the game plan, confidence in every shot that they took. They would be able to be bold and not be afraid. I never second-guessed myself, and I'd have the most confidence I'd ever had in a game in my life. And as a result, my guys would would also also have that confidence. You know, I want you to think about it for a moment, and I'm going to kind of go back over it a little bit because it really struck a chord with me. It really hit me hard right in the heart is that, that I would want them to have the best possible experience. And see, church, we don't play toward victory. We don't live our Christian life toward victory as though we're trying to attain victory. We are living from victory. I had a friend of mine come up and meet me yesterday in Walmart. You you know, I didn't shake hands there because, you know, flu goes around there at Walmart. And so, he was talking to me and he said, this is what he said, I got out of there Friday, I had to go to a diabetes class and when your diabetic goes up, you have to go and do all these classes and figure out what you need to do and, and all this stuff and they just look at you and go, well, the problem, big problem is you're overweight and I'm going thank you very much, I appreciate that and I'm trying to work on that and um, but... After it was over, you know, I'm learning all this stuff about diets and doing all this stuff. And then I go to Walmart. It's this dumb thing to do when you're trying to do some dieting things. And, and I go to Walmart and this guy comes up to me and goes, Brother Steve, grabs me and hugs me. He said, man, you look so good. I was like, would you say that again? Let me record you. And I would like to send that to the diabetic specialist at UAB. He said, I'm serious, man. He said, I'm serious. He said, I've always thought so much of you. He said, man, I, I used to be 328 pounds in my life. And he said, man, you lost down. looks like you kept it off. And I'm going, no, I haven't. You know, uh, it's just baggy clothes, dude. And he's like, well, you look like you're doing pretty good. And he said, I just like the way you look like that. Your beard and all that stuff, you know. And I, I kind of go, hey. Too many compliments, man, but he got he got the beard and everything. He said, you just look like Steve. He said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, when you lost all that weight down, he said, you just look sick. You just look like something was all wrong with you, and your face was all sunk in and all that. shit. you just look bad, and I'm sitting there going, and I just got out of a diabetes class that told me to lose weight and to get my blood sugars in order. And here's the devil telling me right now how great I look and, and that I don't need to lose weight and just stay the way you are and we can get rid of you and get you on into heaven and you don't want to be preaching no more, you know. And he was like, I've always thought so much. And he said, I'm telling you, Brother Stanley, I love you and Brother Stanley. He said, I want to tell you that when you got saved, he said, you of all people in school, he said, I've never seen anyone go so hard for the Lord. And this is what he said, one day I'm going to do that. And I said, Well, you can right now. He said, no, I, he said, what I'm trying to say is one day I'm going to have that same kind of thing and all that. And I said, you can right now. We we actually play from victory. It, this is not a step process that you become, amen. This is where we're coming from, amen. It, when, whenever Jesus walked out of the grave that day, we should walk into church knowing, hey, I got that same victory someday, amen. You could put as much dirt on me. You could put me in a sealed coffin. You could put some great stuff and seal me in there, you know, foam me in that thing. But I'll come out. Because why? I'm playing from victory and if you realize that you were playing from victory this morning what great confidence you would have in the word of God what great confidence that you would have this is what hit me I started crying and I was just overwhelmed because of the fact of the confidence listen you know what he said he said they would have confidence in every shot How many times have you allowed your flesh and Satan to whisper to you and tell you, no, you don't need to go on that mission trip. No, you don't need to do that. No, you don't need to teach Sunday school. No, you don't need to testify. No, you don't need to do that. You would have great confidence if you only knew that you can't lose. If you only knew that we play, listen, not to win, but we're playing from the victory already being won. I've got to go on because I want to show you about that. The Bible talks about it. These four and 20 elders, 24 elders that sat before God on their thrones, what did they do? When they realized the victory in heaven, realized the crowning of Jesus, they fell down on their faces and they worshiped God. Amen. They fell down. Look, why did they fall down? They didn't die. They didn't fall backwards. They fell forward on their faces because what? Of reverence. Of just like I said what worship actually is. Worship is a word in the Greek that is translated dog licking the hand of the master. Amen. If we knew what we had. Listen, do you know what church is all about? Church is not all about our programs. Church is not about our building programs, our educational programs. Church is not all about that. It's good to have that church is about worship. It's about coming together and worshiping the one who is above and who is worthy. Amen. It's about worship and allowing yourself to say, you know what, I'm not going to allow this to hold me back anymore. I'm not going to allow my flesh to hold me back. As old Vessel Goodman said, listen, these bars of clay are going to burst open, man. And I'm not going to allow this to just hold me back. I'm going to say, God, you are worthy. God, I love you. God, I praise you. I clap, Lord. I lift my hands. I lift my heart to you because it's worship. You know what's going to happen in heaven? Let me warn you. Worship. Worship's going to happen in heaven. And they have crowned Jesus twice already in our book of Revelation. They fell down in chapter 4 and in chapter 5 and crowned him. Amen. They fall down here and say he is what? The kingdom of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. They've crowned him again. You know what I mean? They don't sit around and go, "Well, we've did that already. We've already crowned him." You know, there's no sense in us crowning him again. We, we've already done that. You say, "Where do these twenty four elders come from?" The Bible tells us in Matthew nineteen verse twenty eight. It says, "And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that which ye have followed, uh, excuse me, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory." Look at this. You also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. The Bible teaches us that the Old Testament twelve tribes and those patriarch tribes, listen, they represent twelve of that twenty-four. But the other one is us coming in. Amen? Amen, 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 amen. I want somebody to say, hey, we've already won, right? Yes, absolutely. The Bible says these elders were moved to worship. I'm going to tell you something. There's some people, even in churches today, we'd be good enough just to get a physical movement out of them. Some of them, I'd be good to have a blink or two. Some of them, a wave. Some of them wouldn't move if they ate. Now, I'm not even going to go there. Listen, I'm telling you, we need to move, have God move in our lives. We have made this church thing where we want to come and move for God. No, 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 no. We want God to move in us. It was not people that used to sit around that water in the pool of Salam and, and all that water over there in the pool of Bethesda and stir it up. No, no, it wasn't people. The Bible says God sent an angel to stir it up, amen. And we need God to stir us up. Listen, we have been settled back and things have settled all the way down and we need to get stirred up. They were moved to worship. Listen, the Bible says, saying, we give thee thanks. When's the last time you had a prayer time? a move of God in your heart and in your life to where you were moved to say, God, I'm not coming to ask you to heal, to do all this. I'm not coming with my complaints and I'm not coming with all of my problems. But God, I've just come to you to say thank you. When's the last time that you said, Lord, we give you thanks? Look at what it says, Oh Lord God Almighty. He says, the one who was, or excuse me, which art and was and art to come. Hey, that's backwards. Y'all don't know what backwards means? Backwards is an official country word for backwards. That's backwards. You say, what do you mean? In the beginning of the book, he was the one that was and is and is to come. (laughs) In this middle of this, he is the one that is and was. Listen, I love it, church. I don't know if y'all like this stuff, but I love this stuff, man. He says you got power. Look at what he says next. But the nations were angry and thy wrath is come in the time of the dead that they should be judged, that thou shouldest give reward to the servants and to the prophets and to the saints and all those that fear thy name, small and great, and they, they, that's all those that shouldest destroy the earth. All this stuff, you look at it and you say, well, what are they talking about? They're talking about the whole culmination of everything that's going on, that's fixing to happen, Brother Jerome, all the culmination of it all. God is fixing to have his great judgment. There's going to be a great resurrection of not only, listen, the saints of God have already gone up, but there's also going to be those that have, that have believed during the tribulation period that they're also going to have their resurrected bodies. But then it also says that also the resurrection of the dead is going to happen. That happens later in chapter 21. You know, later on in the Scriptures 20 and 21, you look at it. He said all this stuff is going to come, and it's going to take place. But I want you to look at one thing. It says the nations were angry. All the nations were angry because, why? The great victory that God has. Did you know that when the last Armageddon, the battle of Armageddon takes place, did you know that they're not going to be fighting against one another? They're actually going to build an army and they're going to try to fight against God. Yes, we understand that there are people that are overseas. There are people that are even among our people here today that hate and they hate God and they hate the things of God and they're building a fight against the people of God because they want to destroy who? They want to hurt God and destroy the things of God. So they want to destroy you and I. But the Bible teaches us in that great last time, they're going to be culminating an army that is going to be fighting against God himself. They think that they're going to be so strong and led by the Antichrist that they could actually fight against an almighty God. Church, we got to know, they hate it. They're angry about it because we have great victory. Listen, here's the second thing, and we're going to run through this one really, really fast. There's a great view that you can see. The second thing is the great view. I want you to look at verse number 19. The Bible says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there were seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and earthquake and great hell. And I want you to bear with me just for a moment, okay? The Bible says that this temple is opened up. The temple is opened up in heaven. And when the temple is opened up, the temple of God is opened up in heaven, there's something that can be seen. And I want to share something with you. You know, in the Old Testament, in the Ark of the Covenant days, during the days of the tabernacle, during the days of the temple, they had this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. It was a small box that was made out of what was called acacia wood. It was overlaid with beaten gold on the outside of it all, on the inside, it was overlaid with gold. So you didn't see the wood, but it was overlaid in that way. It actually had a solid gold mercy seat that was on the top. It was called a helestron. It was called a uh, propitiation, the word helestron. It's a mercy seat. It's made out of solid gold. One end of it had an angel, a cherubim, a fighting judgment angel of God that was looking down at the mercy seat and had its wings spread out over it. On the other end of that Ark of the Covenant was another one of those angels with its wings spread out to touch the other one. And what would happen is that every year, they would have what's called Yom Kippur in our terms, the Day of Atonement. And every year, the high priest had to go outside. He had to take all of the garments that he wore every day and he put those aside. He didn't have the big breastplate with the stones and all that, but he had an ephod that was solid white, okay? And whenever he had all of this on he would go and he would offer for the sins of himself and for the sins of the people. He would take that and he would go and sprinkle the blood. He would have a vial or a bowl of blood. And he would go into what was called the holiest of holies, the holies of holies. And when he would go in there, he could only go one time a year. Nobody tied a rope around him. If he died, they pulled him out. He didn't have bales at that time because he only had on a white Uh, ephod or a linen ephod. And so he went into this place and he offered up these these incense before the Lord and it filled the room. The smoke filled the room because the glory of God would be in there and that person couldn't handle the glory of God. And he would go in there and he would take hyssop and he would take that blood that was in that bowl from the animal that was sacrificed and he would drip and and sprinkle it on that mercy seat until, listen, a leper was healed when he was sprinkled seven times on his back. Okay, But that's not what God said to do when it came to the Day of Atonement. He said, you sprinkle so much on there that it actually covers over the mercy seat. That it actually is flowing over the mercy seat. And I want you to understand that in that Ark of the Covenant, all that is, there's nothing special about the Ark of the Covenant because why? Because everything that it dealt with was made out of things that are on the earth. That's just like this church sheetrock and mortar and brick and all of that other stuff. That's not the church, we're the church. Amen. This is where the church meets, but this is not the church itself. And in the Ark of the Covenant, what was special about it, Brother Jack, was not the materials it was made out of, but it was the thing that happened there at the Ark of the Covenant. Down inside that box, do you know what was in there? There were three articles in there. There were the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. There was Aaron's rod that budded. And then there was also a bowl of manna. You know what all those things represent? You and I, sinful it represents the three things: the lust of the flesh, the lust of pride, uh, 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 lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Everything, all three of those things are represented in there. A bowl of manna was in there to do what? To remind the children of Israel of their whining, their gropping, and their murmuring and their complaining. That Aaron's rod that butted, Why was it in there? Because they were fighting over who should be the leader. Miriam, Moses' sister, Aaron, Moses' brother, they were all fighting about it. They were murmuring and they were talking about one another, but then they said, lay out the rod and the one that buds would be the leader. It's in there to remind you of what? The pride of life. The Ten Commandments are to remind you of what? Don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't bear false witness. Right? If we were to have God come on top of a mount today and he's going to write the Ten Commandments to us, he would probably tell us, don't post false witness. Right? Amen? You'll get that later on when you go home. but. He gave all of this stuff, and it reminds you of what? That Ten Commandments is right, reminding you, brother Brian, every time. If you're to think about it, it's like a dead body inside that little bitty Ark of the Covenant, like a casket, and it's reminding you, you're a, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're no good. You can't even get along. You need a leader and can't even pick the leader that God says should be the leader. You want to gripe about the food that I give you, and this food is from the cornfields of heaven. Yeah manna he said you are sinners you are sinners you are sinners that's why brother lee the blood that day had to cover up that mercy seat to do what when an almighty god sister darla looks down upon sin and he looks at all of our sins the blood covers it all amen and it covered up all of that well the bible listen did you know that people are looking for the ark of the covenant now as though it's some kind of holy grail it is you know people talk hey it'd be awesome to find it ain't no doubt that'd be awesome And if they had it on a display somewhere, I'd go look at it. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible tells us we were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. Amen. But the Bible says, and i got to show it to you, and I don't know if it's right here in this clicker, but I can click it fast, right? Listen, it says, You know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by traditions from your fathers. Oh, man. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You know, they believe that the Ark of the Covenant right now is down underneath this tunnel, down in the rabbinical tunnels in Israel, underneath Gordon's Hill. You say, where's Gordon's Hill? That's Calvary's Hill. A guy named Gordon came along later on in his life, and he bought it, and he put goat up there. That should be sacrilegious. And so should see doing in the Sea of Galilee, right? They believe that thing is down in there, and it's hidden and all that stuff. I want to show you something, church. The Bible has already taught us. The Bible teaches us, Jesus said this, listen, he tells the writer of Hebrews that those things in the Old Testament are a shadow of things to come. They're a shadow of things to come. They're not the actual thing. No, we're not to worship shadows, amen. We ought to worship the real thing. And the Bible says that heaven is opened up. I don't know if I can go back over to that scripture, but it says that heaven is opened up and the temple of God is opened. Do you remember, stay with me, are you all with me? You're good? You're still good? you got about 30 minutes left in you? Come on, come on, come on. Listen, the Bible says in Revelation chapter number 4 that a door in heaven was opened up. And the voice that I heard from the beginning called me and said, come up hither. A door was opened up. Access to go what? To go home. Amen. Brother Mitch, one day he'll call us home. That's one old guy said one time, he said, when he toot, I will scoot. Amen. And he calls them home. But the Bible doesn't say a door is opened up here. It says the whole temple of God is opened up. Why? We're dealing with the Jewish people during the tribulation time. The temple of God is opened up. And inside, listen, what are the Jews doing? I've told you they're standing at a wall right now as we speak, praying that God's temple would be restored. They're putting prayers in the cracks of all of those rocks, and they're looking for God's temple. And in the tribulation time, what's going to happen? The temple of God's going to open. Open up and show them the real Ark of the Testament. The Ark of the Covenant. Amen. I I, I know I'm loud. I can't help it. I can't help it. It says it's going to be there. What they've always searched for. What they've always looked for. It's going to be found in there. Because why? They can't get their eyes off the shadow. I could reach in my wallet and pull out a picture of Patty and I kiss that picture. I could take my phone and kiss my picture on the phone. You know what I mean of Patty. But I'm going to tell you. It ain't like the real thing. Right? And they, no, y'all don't look at me all like super spirit. She's my wife. I can kiss her whenever I want to. If I want to do it now, I can do it now. I can do it at Walmart if I wanted to. Right? I can. Listen. What a view. What a view. They're so wrapped up in that old blood system taking away their sins. What a view of Christ in the temple and opening up the temple, and there all of it is the answer to all of our sins. Everything about it, you know why it's called the Ark of the Testament because God spoke it in a testimony. If you were here Wednesday, that ought to light you up a little bit. It was spoken by God as a testimony, but the actual words right here are translated in this way: It is the Covenant of our Lord. What was seen in the temple is the Covenant of our Lord. You know what a covenant is? It's a promise. That has been made through blood sacrifice that will be kept through the power of God and not through you doing good and you being better, but we play from victory. Amen. Amen. Listen, y'all ought to be excited. It is good. It's good not because of the preaching. It's good because of the passage of Scripture. Amen. Here's the last thing I want to give you. And We've got to click. Listen. What a great volume. I know that's what you're thinking about hearing my voice as I shrill. And sometimes get as high as a 13-year-old boy. Listen, I know some of you are going, man, that's loud. And why do you have to be excited? I can't help it. I can't help it. That's why I got a technical in basketball. I just get excited and I can't help it. You know, I got a lot of flags thrown on me in football because of that reason too. I want to share this last thing with you. Listen, what a great volume. A great volume. You know, there's some people that you like to listen to music. And some of you like to listen to it around 20 and there's some kids in here that their iPod or their iPhone and their, their, their Android phone has been on Macs their whole life. And, and, and that's why when you call for them, they go, what? Or they go, huh? Because they can't hear anymore. But um, it, it is really, they say that these earbuds and airpods and all these things being in your ears all the time now, and it always being on the maximum, that it has the absolute destructive uh, uh, capabilities of like a jackhammer or shotguns that are going off beside you all the time, and you could lose your hearing. <laughs> Some of you are going, "What?" <laughs> the great volume that I want to talk about is something about that's big. Okay, not just in loudness, but in bigness. Volume is this, and I am no physics person majoring. I really didn't major in anything. But um, listen, volume is the amount of a three-dimensional space that's occupied by an object. And what I mean by that is that you've probably seen in the in the background this this thing here. I, I don't know physics. I don't understand a lot of uh, uh, ways things work and all that stuff. But I do understand sound. And I understand sound waves. And I understand music. I understand running sound boards and gain and volume and amplitude, and I understand all of this stuff. Um, there's so many times that I always aggravated my dad throughout the years that when we play a song and it's in the key of E, I always have to look at him and tell him to turn it down a little bit. And he doesn't understand me why he needs to turn it down. And I'm like, because the fluorescent bulbs are shaking, you know you got to turn it down a little bit and he he can't understand it and the reason is is because church and I know this may seem silly but just bear with me he sits here and he's close to it but in a sound wave as it travels out it has that capability as the frequency goes then you hear the real volume so in the key of e You don't hear it here because it starts out so small, but as the key of E is strung or the the string, the the note is played or the string is plucked, E, actually you don't hear it in its fullness until about right here. And then, so when you're sitting here trying to lead and it's like, it's like a truck that comes by, you don't really understand that because we don't understand sound. But I want you to look, even in this little background picture and stuff, you see how sound waves, when we speak, they're actually waves. And if you could zoom in on those sound waves, you would understand that they're not like this, like together or going at the same time. They're actually like the wave of an ocean. And when you look at it, you have this three-dimensional thing when you deal with sound, okay? And then, uh, stay with me. I know you're all y'all, y'all like, oh, dear Lord, what is going on? Stay with me. You have this three-dimensional thing, and what it is is you have this top. You have this peak area that's called the crest of that wave, just like in the ocean. But you also have this trough kind of deal when it goes all the way to the bottom. And when you get one crest and one trough, then you have one unit of that sound. But then you have this thing that's called amplitude, or it's power, like power, right? And what it is is that when you, when you turn it up, how many of you that were raised up you know, in, on a Saturday afternoon and you're sitting there watching TV and all these infomercials and cartoons and uh, you're just watching cartoons and infomercials and commercials would come on and you remember when they used to give us this like Time Life has now produced, you know, the 80s and you get 24 CDs for two bucks, you know, and has all your great songs on there and the guy was on there and going, is that Freedom Rock? We'll turn it up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Some of y'all remember that. Some of y'all don't remember that, right? <laughs> Who remembers that? Y'all are my, y'all are my people, all right? And uh, you you hear, I'm going through the desert on a horse with no name and all this stuff. (laughs) They say, turn it up. And when you go out to your car today, you're going to look at this world totally different. When you go out to your car today and you turn up the volume, you're not really doing anything to the sound. What you're doing is, is you're affecting the amplitude or the power of it all. The sound wave is still going to be, but when you amp it up and you turn it up it cranks that crest way up here and so what it's doing is that it begins to reach up as high as it can so that what happens if you've got it real low are y'all with me if you got it real low then it's only going to travel to about right here okay but if it's freedom rocking you turn it up right or 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 what's the other one leonard skinner didn't he say turn it up in that one too y'all know you know it you sinners <laughs> Y'all looking at me like, I'm not going to answer that one because it only gets this loud. But when you crank the amplitude up and the power, that wave grows really high, Brother Joe, and the trough goes really deep. And so all of a sudden, that sound can travel all the way back here. Like if I was speaking to you like this, it's not traveling very far. But if I get excited, it goes all the way to the back. And you say, What do you mean by that, Brother Steve? I want you to look at verse number 19. The Bible says the temple of God was opened. And it says, and they were seen in his temple. See, the church will be raptured out of here someday, Brother Mitch, and it will not be a visible thing for all people. It will be a sound for the people of God. Those that are the bride of Christ, we will rise and we will go out. Amen. Not at Gabriel's trumpet, but at Jesus' call. Amen. And we will go up. But the Bible says at this time, Jack, it says at this time, the temple of God is opened and there was seen in his temple the Ark of the Testament. Everyone should know this, church. The whole world has had access to God. The whole world, listen, what I'm trying to tell you is that God did not just come over here and say, Andrew and Crystal, you come to me, you believe on me, you trust in me, and I will save you just so you could hear it. No, 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 it was was cranked up at Calvary. And I know that may not be a very dignified term, but it was cranked up at Calvary. God turned up the amplitude and said, for all who believes in my son, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And it is a sound that has reached through Warrior Alabama, through Kimberly, through Sardis. It reaches all the way down into the Belize mountains in the jungle. It reaches all the way into the desert areas of Africa, all the way to India, into the temples everywhere, church. Why? Because God turned the volume up. God said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, amen. And God says, listen, there is no height or no depth in my volume that I can't reach. God says there's no one who thinks they're way above that my crest of the volume cannot touch. And thank God there's no one in the trough low enough that I cannot reach. And how long does it go? It goes, and it goes, and it goes, and it goes, because it's measured by that three dimension. God's salvation... Listen, reaches high and it can reach low and it reaches out. Amen. But God's salvation has a fourth dimension. God's salvation has a fourth dimension. Look at what it says. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number three, verse 17, says they that dwell, come on, brethren, that excuse me, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to what? Comprehend with all saints. Look at this. What is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height? Amen. I didn't give it to you. There it is. Huh? Sometimes I click fast. Sometimes I don't click at all. Look at it. Four. God says the breath. What is he talking about? The space of it all. Amen. You you, you may look at me today. Watch this. Look at me. Stay with me. Look at me. You may look at me. You see my height. Six foot and settling. (laughs) You may see my depth. All the way down to my feet. You may see my length. (laughs) <laughs> is this way, right? But let me show you the breadth. That's a good-looking breadth. That's what the guy at Walmart told me. It's not what the dietitian diabetic said, but it, I'm trying to show you is that, is that it's everywhere. It says the, the breadth, the length, the depth, the height. Look at this, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge so that what? That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. If we only understood the height, then we would think we could never reach that height to be saved. If we only understood the trough of it all and not the crest, then we would think we'd have to go all the way down into that sin before God could reach us. And you don't. You can reach for His hand now. But you're talking about the hand of God and where He reaches. There's no height. There's no depth. There's no length. There's no breadth. That He can't reach out the fullness of God and understand it. Romans 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, being justified by faith, we've got peace with God through our Lord Jesus, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace. Grace wherein we stand and rejoice. We rejoice because of our salvation. What? In the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but look, we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience brings hope. Amen. Look at this. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because I love this, because the love of God is shed abroad. Amen. What that means is that's the breadth of God's love. Amen. Not breath. But the breadth of God's love, that it is so high, so low, so long, so wide, amen? And it is shed abroad. You know what the word in the Greek actually means for shed abroad? It means that God poured it out. God poured it out. And Brother Jack, when God pours out something, think about pouring a five-gallon bucket of water out. Amen. What does it do? It goes from the height down to the crest, out to the sides, and out to the front and to the back. It goes everywhere. When I got saved, it was poured all over, amen. And listen, listen, the Bible says that it's poured out in their hearts. Here, here's the very last thing. That great volume. Look at this last point, because I really got you, you got to understand it. I don't know if I put it on there, but I think I did. But if I didn't, that's fine. I want you to listen to me. Look at your Bible real quick. Some of you done close it, zip that bad boy up. I want you to look. It says, when the temple was open, they saw the Ark of the Covenant of God, the Testament of God. Y'all all understand that? I don't, I don't expect you to understand the volume thing. We'll work on that later. You got all of it. But there's something in there, Brother Jack, that people don't want to see. When the temple is opened and the Ark of the Covenant is shown, Look at what else is going on. Stay with me. He says right here that there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hell. What? The same thing that was on top of Mount Sinai. Do You know what happened when Moses came down off of Mount Sinai? The Bible says in Exodus chapter 32... He says that he found some of them that did believe, but he found some of them, Sister Sherry, that did not believe, and they were doing ungodly and sinful things. And you know what Moses did that day? He drew a line, and he said these words, Ye who are on the Lord's side, let him come unto me. Who is on the Lord's side, let him come unto me. And all those people that believed, they went over to Moses and they believed. And all those that didn't, you know what happened? They died. They died in their sins that day. See, God is the God that says, I love you so much that my love for you goes so high, so low, so wide, and so deep. It fills the whole space of this earth. Then he turns around and says, if you choose to reject that, then the thunderings and the lightnings and the the voice, all this stuff, judgment's going to come. He's God. He's not mean because his love is greater. But if you reject his love, That is poured out upon you today. then God will judge you. How brother Steve. Through the same vision that you see. It will be an open access temple area. Open cross. Open tomb. That says come to me. Come to me. You know what we do. We say this all the time. Our coach that I talked to yesterday. Many of them do it. Football players do it. Some of them do it. repetition some of them do it with heartfelt but what do we do our father say it with me which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against it we've prayed that It's been prayed for thousands of years, right? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We've prayed that for thousands of years. Someday, that prayer is going to be answered. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. He loves you. He loves you so much. And some of you are believers, and you know you're saved, and all you need to do... You just need to come and grab hold of the altar. Grab hold of him and say, Lord, I just want to say thank you. I love you. Be that one of those 24 elders that say, Lord, I love you. Thank you. And if you don't know him, he's ready to receive you today. He's ready to save you. Father, we love you and we praise you. Lord, in this invitation time, it's all yours. It belongs to you in Christ's name. If you would, let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Brother Brandon, you go ahead and they're going to sing. Please respond to the Lord today.